this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Today's episode is brought to you by Madison Reed. Madison Reed is salon quality hair color with an authentic personal touch. Made with ingredients you can feel good about, Madison Reed is the first ever six free permanent hair color. That means it's free of ammonia, parabens, resorcinol, PPD, phthalates, and gluten. Try it. Love it. Your satisfaction and your happiness are guaranteed. That is the beauty of Madison Reed. Find your perfect shade at madison-reed.com and get 10 10% off plus free shipping on your first color kit with the code BOOKRIOT, all one word. Again, that's madison-read.com and 10% off plus free shipping with the code BOOKRIOT. This is the Book Riot Podcast, a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. This is episode 184, recording on Saturday, November 19th. I'm Jeff O'Neill. I'm here with Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from not Book Riot Live. We're coming to you from our homes in, in, in Portland and Richmond. Did you oh, see me? Home uh, sweet home. No, yeah. Uh, we're, we're, we both got sick this week. Like real <laughs> of sick. Of course we did. Yeah, like real. Amanda, patient zero, as I'm going mm-hmm. to call for her from evermore, brought with her, <laughs> I think brought with her from Richmond, a cold that got a virulent strain of uh, everyday cold. Yeah, we passed around um, it, in the early mornings and working on the weekends, uh, and I think I drank out of everyone's coffee at four a.m. Saturday morning. Oh, you got this one. I think yeah, I may have been. Uh, I may have been the, the 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 wheel. You might have been the the vector of. Yes, spreading. I might have been the pathogenic vector of uh, this cold. But anyway, so we put off a couple of days, so we're we're a little bit. Uh, it's it's a it's a Saturday morning vibe here. I'd say it is. It's a podcast. Saturday morning vibe. It's very. I mean, and it's like early in Portland where yeah. you are. I've been well, up I've a little got young while. Kids, so it's basically five in the afternoon at eight. That's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've I've been up a little while. I've had some coffee. Mm-hmm. I have been to Lowe's already because yeah. it's Saturday in the fall. <laughs> um, so we're, both, we're here. Uh, we're recovering. I think you know we're both. It, it's that like, man, I'm not bone weary anymore, yeah. but I was when we got home last week. We got existential hangover. Uh, we'll yeah. talk more about Book Riot Live here in a minute um, after the first break. But we we have been negligent in asking for your holiday book recommendations. Our Actually, our recommendation show is next week. <laughs> we should have been asking last week and maybe the week a, a before. While ago. And maybe the week before that uh, for your holiday book recommendations. Um, for those of you who've been listening to the show for a while, we do this every year. You know, email us at podcast at bookriot.com. You can all hit us on Twitter if you want to, but the email is the best way to do it with recommend, book recommendations you want for your friends, for your family, for you. Could be holiday, for gifts or not. Um, good chance to ask about, you know, something you'd like for yourself, something you'd like us, you know, if you know what we like, um, personal recommendations. If you want to ask about Busman and BA, you're welcome to do that. If you want to ask about feelings, you can ask Rebecca about Brene Brown or I don't know, you know, whatever else that might be. <laughs> Podcast at bookriot.com. Please ask us questions. We, we've got a great show. We always enjoy doing it. Sometimes it goes into two parts. Sometimes it doesn't. But you really, I think we just decided that we're going to record Friday morning after Thanksgiving, maybe is what we just said. I'm not sure. Yeah. Oh, we'll drink some coffee. We'll yeah. eat some leftover Or I pie. guess we could even do Saturday. I don't know what you're doing. We'll talk. But let's say for right now, you have through Thanksgiving night. 
Like, you know, you eat your mm-hmm. turkey and you sit down at your laptop or wherever you, you know, and, and you don't want to talk to your family anymore, your trip to fanned out. Um, and you sit down, shoot us an email with some book recommendation requests. We always look forward to do this. It's a good show. Um, so get those to us. If you, I was When you were saying if you want to talk about feelings, you can ask me, am I like the Delilah of book podcasting now? Well, I, I mean, compared to me, basically anyone well, is, you know, is, is basically. A, I'll a, take it. Yeah. Uh, so let's get to our first sponsor. We'll get into the rest of the show. It's Audible is backed. So I, I talk about this all the time. Do you love? We love books here, but time is our non-fungible asset. We just don't have that much of it. it it's a fixed unit. So what audiobooks really let you do if you're a book lover, or if you're not a book lover, just want to read more, you know, is make more time in your life. Find more time in your life for books and reading and information. And Audible is really the premier purveyor of that kind of information. So at gym, during your commute, you know, you're doing the dishes, you're walking the dog. I know a lot of people that listen to audiobooks walking your dog. I think you do even. Mm-hmm. Um, you find that time where, you know, your, your hands and eyes are otherwise occupied, but your ears are free. Uh, and one th- you know, really, smartphones have been the, the, the revolutionary piece here where you can download the audiobooks easily. You always have it with you. We all carry around headphones. So really, audiobooks are with you wherever you go, even more so than regular books, or just as much as regular books, I guess, with reading apps. You can get Audible's app free. works on your iPhone, iPad, Android, Windows, Android and Windows phone. Download and listen on your Kindle Fire and over 500 MP3 players. They have a great listen guarantee. You don't. If you decide you don't like the book you chose, no. I just did this recently, actually. Did you? Yeah, one I wasn't into, not into it. Returned it, got something else. You can exchange your book anytime. And the one that I, the one that I got, um, I'll talk about it in a minute. But I just just remember, you have a thirty day free trial membership just for listeners of this show. Go to audible.com slash bookriot today. That's audible.com slash bookriot to start your free trial. So thanks to them for sponsoring the show. My quick audio pick. I'm not sure if it's going to be a recommendation. It's just what I'm listening to now. It's Wonderland by Stephen Johnson. Oh, yay. Yeah. I just finished it. Oh, you did? Oh, did you, is it good? I'm, I, I'm I mean, 20 I minutes lo- into it. I love him. I didn't listen to it. I oh, read, read it, it. Okay, um, yeah. and I talked about it. I really inarticulately on lots of cold medicine talked about it at the live all the books. Oh, recording. I missed that. I was working the registration downstairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't listen to that segment. It makes zero sense. <laughs> But it's about basically how um, a lot of times play um, and games and toys are the harbingers of future technologies and cultural trends. Is that a fair Mm -hmm. one sentence uh, Mm -hmm. abstract? yeah, that things that show up in like part of the indu- in the industrial revolution and now like in the computer age mm-hmm. um, really have their roots often like centuries previous in stuff that people invented when they were noodling around to come up with a new toy or just something to delight themselves or to delight others. Mm-hmm. Um, really, and Stephen really Johnson, great. who wrote, I recommend all a lot. How we got to now by Stephen mm-hmm. Johnson. I recommended a bunch. Um, I like him. And I, like. I think we both stole adjacent possible from where good ideas come from. Yes, where good ideas, which I think he stole from somewhere else. But you know what? That's yeah. ideas. That's how culture works, yep. um, especially around ideas. So that those are that's what I'm listening to. You want to shout anything right now? Yeah, I just finished Forward by Abby Wambach. Oh, cool. The soccer player. Yeah. Do not sleep on this book, people. Like, mm. I was not going to – it wasn't even on my radar because – 
athlete memoirs are not my jam, but she started popping up. Like I read, you know, tons of Brene Brown and I read Love Warrior earlier this year by Glennon Doyle Melton. And I saw that she was on a tour with a bunch of other women speakers um, doing sort of like love yourself, know yourself, like the thing that these women writers do. Um, and that Abby Wambach was on the tour. And I was like, man, does Abby Wambach have like depths that I don't know about? Mm-hmm. And the answer is yes. Um, <laughs> the, the memoir is really, really terrific. Um, she talks about her childhood. She talks about how she got into soccer, um, about discovering that you're good at this one thing that you can be really super good at, but also about the downfalls of like tying all of your mm. identity and your personal value to it. All your it. soccer eggs in one basket. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, growing up in a large and conservative family, figuring out that she was gay and the shame and the fear that she felt about her family and her community, um, what would happen when they knew who she really was. Um, so the the sort of the Brene Brown, Glennon Doyle Melton themes about you know, knowing yourself and the power of uh, accepting yourself and facing the things that make you um, weak and working to strengthen them. She's really forthright about a lot of the mistakes that she made. She talks about um, her addiction to drugs and alcohol at one point. Um, it's it, I thought it was very good. Um, not much about soccer. So if you're looking for the athlete memoir, like this is not that. Um, but it was really, really nice to drive around to. Uh, you know, to drive around and like listen. And I was, uh, I, I walked the dog last night listening to it and I had 20 minutes left. And so I came in and kept listening while I mm. chopped my onions to make dinner. No um, better, and- no better, uh, re- um, uh, recommendation for an audiobook than when you do stuff like that, right? Like that's, yeah. that is the, uh, the, 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 the sign and signal that you like right. the audiobook. It's or... like the audiobook version of a driveway moment, right. except yes. like you don't have to sit in the driveway because <laughs> you can take it with you. But I just did want to keep listening until I could hear the rest of it. Um, a really thoughtful, interesting, imperfect and honest woman. Um, and I really, really liked it. So the book's called Forward. Cool. Well, let's do a little, I, I don't recap, um, Postmortem, yeah. whatever, whatever debrief uh, synonym we want to use to talk about Brook Quiet Live. We saw, we met a lot of you there. So many of you came up to us that listen to the show, that read the site. Um, thank you so much to all of you who came. And several people introduced themselves to me mainly, so we wouldn't get mad so at them for shame, not. Yeah, we shouldn't. So, um, so thank you. Thank you for doing that. Uh, I hope I hope you got what you wanted out of it. Um, you know, I don't know what to say about it. It was a great weekend. Things went very smoothly. People were great. I think. Um, you know, the shadow looming over it was the election. Uh, There's no doubt about that. Um, My own personal sort of feelings narrative about the week start, you know, after the election, I I woke up Wednesday morning and the the last thing I wanted to do really at that point was get on a plane, fly across the country away from my kids Mm -hmm. uh, and and come to Book Riot Live. But about Thursday mid-afternoon, I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. Like, this is what I want to do. Like, it's going to be a chore to get there. But, and then I think... A lot of the first day was kind of emotional throat clearing about what was going mm-hmm. on, and then we could kind of enjoy ourselves a little bit. But I heard over and over again that people were so glad to be there. Um, a lot of the panels, as you might guess, were already politically social justice themed, but came you know more overtly and specifically about the election. Uh, you listened to last week's, well, the live recording we did. We talked about some of that. The Nobody Asked Us panel, which was you and me and Amanda, was about that. And then all, uh, you know, a whole bunch of the other ones. I mean, I'm not sure one of them didn't. I mean, the Farm to Table one, I guess, that I moderated didn't really touch it at all. But a lot of the ones that had anything to do with the election um, and our political moment mm-hmm. talked about that. So I think that became the headline story 
um, and the headline feeling. Does that sound right to you? Yeah, it does. My I'm going to steal feelings narrative because I like that. Um, I I flew out Wednesday morning, and so I woke up Wednesday after like two hours of very sad sleep. Um, like, oh, you know, I don't want to go to the airport. I don't want to do these things. Um, and then once I got to New York, and I got with Jen, our events director, right. and my good my good friend, and we got to be in motion to start making the thing. It started feeling better, um, and being in the room with other people who love books and who share this community's values um, was it was like reaffirming and it was healing in its way and uh, I think it set me onto the next step of the feelings narrative out of just the total sadness and into the what next part mm-hmm. um, of of time to think about actions and time to think about being um, together as a community and it was really, I thought, really interesting to see how it came up. I wasn't surprised at all that it came up no. on so many panels, um, but that it wasn't a—it wasn't like a heavy, sad, doom and gloom thing no. all weekend. Um, I did—I remember texting Amanda Wednesday last week and being like, "How are we going to throw a party mm-hmm. in three days? Like, I—it just, you know, it doesn't feel like we could throw a party in three days." And Amanda, in her Amanda way, said, "We're not. We're going to throw a resistance mm-hmm. rally," um, and it felt like. Like that, it felt like a rallying of um, let's do this thing, and and everybody up and down the line, people who were qualified professionally to talk about politics, and people who were just people and who were therefore qualified to talk about what affects their lives, mm-hmm. um, talked about it and talked about books and talked about libraries, and it was like it was a good moment to to be together. It ended up being exactly what I think we all needed to do at the end of that week, and um, and it, it was it was great. Yeah. It was um, great. Should we talk highlights? You want to give yeah, me a couple oh, I mean, highlights? <laughs> I got to talk to Walter Mosley for an hour. I was going to say, I wondered, um, uh, kind was... of unexpectedly, um, suddenly you were one-on-one yes. with Big W. And yeah. I was working a uh, table, so I didn't get to see it. But all, all reports were that you acquitted yourself with not just a plume, but style. My and, best and buddy... Her. Yes, I think we did very well. I mean, Walter Mosley, what a lovely yeah. like. I uh, I was so nervous ahead of time. Like, mm-hmm. I don't get nervous really on stage to do a thing, but I was like, oh my god, he's going to be too cool for me. Like, I'm just not gonna. What's going to happen? Like, I have all these questions, but what's going to happen? And he was not too cool at all. He showed up several hours early. He came to our live podcast recording, which um, I think we're both glad we didn't know oh, in advance I didn't know was that. happening. Yeah, yeah, I don't he, think I knew yes. that until just now. Wow. Yeah. yeah, when you said that. Oh god. Yeah. Okay. Uh, right. Right. <laughs> Which I saw him leave at the end of it and I was like, "Oh my gosh, is he going to take me seriously mm. in 2 hours because we were, because I just went pew 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 pew." Like <laughs> What is going to happen? He was so lovely and so open um, and just so there for it. Um, We talked about writing in different genres. We talked about writing as a political act. He told all kinds of stories from his career. Um, And I think the most heartening thing, and I was talking to your friend Jeremy about it afterwards, is that he didn't start writing until he was 34. Devil with a Blue Blue Dress came out his first book came out when he was 38. Mm. Um, He is 64 now and he has written 53 The boy gets the job done. He He does. He gets, he's a working man writer in that that regard. You know, he's of the strain with Joyce Carol Oates, Stephen King. They they make the words um, and it's not Sturm und Drang and Existential Dread and that's someone's process and there's nothing wrong with that, blah, blah, blah. Um, But he also showed up like a pro. 
And he, he was did. game to do what we he were was doing. game. Yeah. He like told sex jokes and you know talked about travel. And someone asked about the jewelry that he was wearing, and he explained that too. And then he knocked on uh, literary fiction for a minute and talked about how they should all how a. Uh, People talk about genre writers being sort of marginalized by literary writers, but really the truth is that the genre writers are marginalizing the literary writers because mm-hmm. it's the genre writers that make money and sell books and keep everybody else afloat. And uh, and he was so like, he knows what he's doing and how good he is at it, but so gracious. He wasn't like a big shot at all. No. And I was so delighted to have spent an hour with him. It, could, it, it went so it, it went so well. He made it so easy. But like that is a it was a book right live highlight but i think that when i really process it it will be a career highlight for me to have gotten to sit there with him for an hour it was awesome um a couple names i want to shout out to that you know i i don't usually like i've been to my share of literary events i've heard my share of talks i kind of know what the deal is um generally speaking but i've got to say two authors that i didn't know anything about you know that jen brought in for various roles Mm -hmm. um and both of them were on multiple panels and things um where i went out and i immediately bought the book which is very rare uh, for me to do. Um, the first uh, was Tara Clancy, yes. who, in a way, I think, was stole the show on whatever yeah. whatever yes. she did. Um, her book is called The Clancy's of Queens, and it's a memoir about the working class women of the generation above her mother's generation, mm-hmm. um, the seventies and eighties in Queens, really. And, and I guess in the, I haven't I haven't read it yet, so I, I'm just coming up to talk. I just got it with my Audible credits yes, um, this morning. Yes, Michelle and I got on Audible, too, because I was going to buy the physical copies. We couldn't keep the damn things in stock. And, she she and was the, at a strand on Saturday, was Friday night. We sold them on out. We sold, we sold all the books out from the bookstore at the event on Saturday, and we sold them all again when we got more on Sunday. We couldn't keep them in stock. She's amazing. And that her voice is incredible. She's on The Moth. If you yeah. listen to The Moth, you'll recognize her. Um, but like, how, how could you pass up getting to do the audiobook? Oh, she was a great in the room. I think... There was a panel called, um, uh, I can't remember exactly the names, but uh, Laughing to Keep from Crying. If we're not laughing, we're crying. If we're not laughing, we're crying with uh, Negan Farsad and Jay Chang and Tara Clancy, which is about using comedy and art and riotously funny, side-splittingly funny. And, you know, as you know, I'm not one that's quick to belly laugh like that, but Michelle and I were sitting there in in stitches and really had a Uh great time. Um, And so, and then Amanda was tweeting yesterday about how she was listening to the Clancy's and Queens on audio in Target and just like falling down laughing just like a crazy person. (laughs) Um, So that was a real, she was a real gem. Um, It was her first book, you know, you know, you can hear some more of the story about it, I think, during the the book. Um, But she was fantastic. And then the other one, um, that I want to shout out to is Aizy Jama Everett. Um, oh, he was so great. Who's, I didn't know anything about either. He has a book called The Liminal Peoples, which one I got. It's part of a, a series that you don't have to read in order, but it's kind of a, it's not a superhero book, but it's people with powers. Um, and the main character in this book, Taggart, can heal with just a touch. But it's also a story about Africa and war and power and race. Um, and he was a super interesting guy, not only in the reading, again, um, at The Strand, uh, alongside Tara Clancy, but on the farm to table, just uh, speaking of a working man, like he, tr- he, you know, he's self-published. He's done small, he's done small press. He's done graphic novels. He's worked with Hollywood, and he's fiercely um, independent in creative control. Like he's he's not going to sell control for money. Like he even said, like mm-hmm. I'm not going to sell the movie rights to liminal people to Hollywood. And with the condition that they can do whatever they want. Like, Leonardo DiCaprio is not going to star in my... That's just not... Right. 
I don't care how much money they offer me. Um, but then he was also real talk about like th- some of that control he pays for, and he has a day job and other things. And I just thought it was a real pragmatic, clear-eyed, but also soulful and idealistic mm-hmm. way of looking at his art. Like he knows, um, you know, he's making cash register decisions, but he knows what they are. But he's also making them for a bunch of different reasons that I really respect. Um, so I liked him, but I also the book, the reading he did, I thought was really fascinating. So those were the two sort of surprises to me. Um, that yeah, I really and I think those. I I loved hearing both of them speak as well. And you're right on. And it speaks to what I think is one of the best things about this event is that there are the headliners and then there are the authors that you know of. They are kind of the reasons that you've bought your ticket. But both years that we've done this, the the things that everybody, the people that everybody walked away talking about were kind of surprises, Mm -hmm. were like the sleeper hits were the stars of the show. Um, And I love that about our community too, that people go in with such open minds and so much excitement to hear from writers that they don't know Mm -hmm. yet. Um, That like Tara Clancy becomes the star of the show and Aisa Jaime Everett becomes the star of the show or there are all these stars. Like there's there's nobody who takes up all the air. Right. Um, I thought was is one of the great strengths of how Jen programs the thing, but is also just a really cool thing to watch happen in our community that people are like, yeah, I'm coming to see Mara Wilson or I'm coming to see Walter Mosley, but like you're going to walk away with a stack of books by people who were just fascinating that you might not have ever heard of before. Um, really, really cool and exciting and exactly what we want books to do. Um, I guess that's probably enough wrap up. So for, yeah, for people that weren't so. there, I don't know if that's interesting or not. For those of you who were there, I don't know if that's interesting or not, but we thought we'd take a minute, um, even just for ourselves, to talk about yeah. and debrief, I think. Uh, a little bit. So thanks for everyone for coming um, and being a part of making it really a great weekend for us. And I, th- I think I come out of it uh, energized. Uh, yeah, definitely. Even as tired and sick as I was. Um, the the root of the root is energized uh, at yes. the very least. Okay, well, let's get on to the weekend news a little bit. We, I've got a lot of follow-up and some from email that I don't have in the show notes. For you, oh, Shinsky. okay. Sorry about that. Uh, so <laughs> I guess this is the end. Um, this is the do not Pass go, do not collect $200. Final end to the Bob Dylan Nobel saga. He is not going to the Nobel ceremony after all, after saying, after a long period of quiet, um, after being awarded the prize of saying nothing, then he said, Mm -hmm. I was very honored, and how can anyone even, you know, very gracious and humbling public statements from Dylan, and he'd like to get to the ceremony if at all possible, uh, planting the seeds even in that, that he may not be able to, and apparently he's not going to make it because of prior commitments. I mean, speaking of working men, um, yes. Say what you will about Bob Dylan, you know, and, and whether or not he deserves the award. And I think there's generative and maybe also pointless discussion to have back and forth about that. <laughs> but the dude plays the thing. Like he's been mm-hmm. touring almost constantly for 50 years. Um, and he's got shows, you know, and those things are hard to get out of. I do know a little yeah. bit of that business. Um, uh, so people paid money people to go to them money. and he you don't cares want more to about doing a, show, a couple of shows yeah. in St. Louis than he does about talking to 100 people in Sweden. And in a way, I have to respect that. Um, so anyway, that's the end of that that story. Uh, we, we Emily Ringborg, who was uh, a long, he's a longtime listener of the show. She was in at Book Riot Live from Sweden. So we asked her. Well, you heard her. We I think it yes, was on the live. It was on the live and show. And she said the Swedes are you know as pissed as Swedes get um, uh, about <laughs> that. So there's that, a which couple... is probably like more chill than we are on oh, a normal day. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I, I woke up like this. Um, another thing that I wanted to mention, this is something we shouted out at the live show too, was about the Nazi occult witch book story. Oh yeah. Apparently fake. Oh. Apparently didn't happen. 
<gasps> um, we got suckered by fake news. Yeah. Uh, well, man, that's appropriate. <laughs> the notion was uh, widely reported in English language media. The National Library of Czech Republic um, has denied the claim. The National Library's denial appears in most Czech sources, but almost no English nude sources pick it up. I've got some links I can drop in the show notes there. Um, actually, the one that found the correction was a pagan news website, which is better at, at uh, doing fact-checking than, say, The Guardian and other people where we saw it originally. So the, the, plot, <laughs> the plot thickens with the Nazi witch books. The world is But full you know what? That's just what they want us to think. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> And tinfoil hats are available for sale on Amazon. The Dan Brown novel writes itself. It I mean, does. I, there's a big cover you up. You know, Dan Brown is going to be at BookCon this spring. Oh, yeah. And I think that we should just go and hand him our pitch list. Yeah, I've gotten, did you see we were talking on the Book Riot contributor Slack? We had another, the Voynich manuscript. Have you heard about this thing? Yeah, yeah. It's basically this untranslatable book from the 16th century that no one knows Only what the hell it means. Because Robert Langdon hasn't looked at it. Yet. And, you know, maybe connect the Nazi witch books and the, the occult. Like, I think, I think we got some, Danny. I think we got something. <laughs> Call my agent, who doesn't exist. You put on your elbow patch tweed jacket, and I'll start putting my hair in a ponytail. Yeah, there, there's no toupee ready. in the world, though, that lets me cosplay as long. I mean, there's just, that's a real, that's a real. <laughs> this is just like a thing I'm never going to let go that's of. The, Someday, we're going to My own personal cosplay. costume Rubicon is the Robert hair for Langdon. Robert Langdon. Uh, um, so there's that. Let's see, I have one other quick thing. Um so this is all back to my misguided tirade about Goodreads and the Underground Railroad. <laughs> all of you were very generous with me about, oh, I understand, like it's still, you know, I was misguided. <laughs> I did the self-correction. And really, the, um, this was Devin who wrote in saying that the official categorization that the publisher submits oh. to the guidelines on subject access of individual works of fiction, drama, etc., the the very convenient acronym Jizavdi. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, them. That is, it's historical fiction is the primary label. So okay. it's not really the readers. It's not Goodreads. It's basically the publisher submitting it as that to the guidelines. Um, sure. So that's their fault. I know there's someone to blame here, and we're just it's there's blame all the way down. And <laughs> I'm just going to root it gonna down. We're just going to witch hunt. Yeah. Um, I'm going to get the you know spotlight at the Boston Globe. I need them to investigate who it was that got this in our mind, this historical fiction. Because, There's going to be a late night like History Channel expose. You know, right. This is the most boring Dan Brown version. Like who? who it super yeah. is. So anyway, um, I want to uh, thank those guys for um, Devin and let's see, um, Thea. Um, Thea clued us in about the Nazi library that doesn't or maybe doesn't exist. Um, and then Devin for the feedback about the... Um, uh, Underground Railroad. Yeah. Okay. You know, speaking of the Underground Railroad. Yeah, there you go. Let's That's talk what about I'm talking it. about. We're back Thank in action you. here. Yeah, it's like we've done this yeah. 180-something times. Right, exactly. uh, the National Book Awards were this week, mm-hmm. and they were very interesting. And Colson Whitehead won. Surprising the National no one, Book- I think. Surprising absolutely yeah. no surprising one. Surprising no one. Um, for the Underground Railroad, uh, the winner for nonfiction was Stamped from the Beginning, The Definitive History of Racist Ideas in America by Ibram X. Kendi. Mm-hmm. Uh, po- for poetry uh, was a small press book called The Performance of Becoming Human by Daniel Berzutsky. And then for young people's literature was March Book Three, which is by uh, Congressman John Lewis, Andrew Aiden, and Nate Powell. And it is a graphic novel, and it was the first comic to win mm-hmm. the National Book Award. So historic on many levels. Um, I think that 
I don't know how long ago these award winners were locked in, but I assume that this was all done before the election. I, I, I would think so. Yeah, um, and that so. this is just representative of the excellent literature this year. Um, black writers have led this year in mm-hmm. books. Um, without spoiling anything, I think I can say that I tabulated our in-house results uh-huh. for the best books of the year, um, and 19 out of the 25 or 18 out of the 25 are by people of color. Um, it was a huge, huge year for black writers. Um, and Colson Whitehead, Ibram X. Kendi, and uh, John Lewis are all black writers. Um, and not just black writers winning the National Book Awards this year, but black writers talking about blackness yep. and America's racist past and its ongoing um, issues with racism really uh, all really important books that look this very ugly thing straight in the face um, from different angles. And I could not be happier to see it shake out this way and for us to get to center these books, especially right now, but also the speeches that the people yeah, gave. Yeah, what did you can you, see, did you... yeah. The, the yeah, speeches a, are amazing. The speeches are amazing. Hosted by Larry um, Wilmore, who was great. Yeah, he was wonderful, too. Um There's a link. We'll put the link to the show notes um, from Vulture where you can read the text of the speeches. I'm sure you can find um, the video as well. But Ibram X. Kennedy is talking about how he spent years looking at the absolute worst of America, but never loses faith because for every racist idea, there was an anti-racist idea for every killer of the mind. For every killer of the mind, there was a lifesaver of the mind. Mm. And in the midst of the human ugliness of racism, there was the human beauty of resistance to racism. Um, Colson Whitehead uh, put it very succinctly, be good to or be kind to everybody, make art and fight the power. Terrence Hayes gave a really beautiful speech um, as well. I'd highly recommend. Uh, John mm-hmm. Lewis told a story about oh. being denied a library card mm-hmm. um, because racist, you know, I mean, it's mm-hmm. no more complicated than that. Um, and then to win the National Book Award, um, really moving stuff. Um I have March Book 3 sitting on my desk right here, actually, and I haven't read it yet. I'm looking forward to it. The Underground Railroad, I've said before. Um, my favorite book of the year. Yep. I, it's I haven't read that much 2016 fiction, so it's not like um, I have a lot to compare it to, but knowing what I do about having read books before, it would be very difficult for me to mm-hmm. see um, uh, what could compete with it. Though Amanda and I were talking, she had read... She's saying The Mothers by Britt Bennett is her favorite, which I haven't read, and she hasn't read The Underground Railroad. So uh, we're going to go, we're, we're gonna both going to read, and maybe we'll have a battle royale to figure yeah, out. Say, what, I've read them both, yeah. so I could arbitrate. Yeah, what do you think? Where, where do you, I mean, Man, I, I, picking, I know, is kind of The dumb. Mothers is wonderful. Yeah. It's a great novel, but The Underground Railroad is going to, I think, stand the test yeah. of time. The Underground Railroad is like my pick for future classic. Right. Um, Put it, I think there's no question. Yeah, Mount Rushmore caliber stuff. Yes, stuff, yeah, you know, absolutely. Canonical stuff um, going on there. Um, let's see, where do you want to go from there? Anything else to say about that? Uh, uh, some people, I'm, and I haven't seen much of this, I, I, no women winners. I mean, does mm-hmm. it matter to you? I mean, it's three black dudes. Um, I don't know what to say about that. Um, I mean, I don't want to do oppression Olympics about the yeah. year that three black guys win for three really important books about black life. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. I'm just curious what you thought about it. Um, let's see. I guess it's it's. it's t- I guess we can say we talk a little bit about this kind of as seg into. Um, I mean, Amazon picked Underground Railroad's best book of 2016. They, mm-hmm. they released their best book of 2016 list. I, I find their list to be pretty good. On yeah, the whole, they're year usually in, pretty out. interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of picks. 
Um, the top 20, let's see, anything, you know, this is one you've talked about, Hillbilly Elegy. Did you read that? Is that you? I did not. Someone was talking about been, that. I don't know. It's shown up on the site several times. Yeah, maybe I just assume it's um, a couple. Um, Lab Girl. Lab Girl, which is uh, was one of my picks for my mm-hmm. for my vote. Yeah. The Jeans, that Arthur Mukherjee, also one of my picks is in the top yeah. 20. We got Zadie Smith's Swing Time. Um, which just came out. Jackie Woodson's another Brooklyn. Jacqueline Woodson's another Brooklyn. Yeah, there's, uh, let's see, Moon Glow is the new Michael Shabon. Which I haven't heard either. much about from our I contributors. Know, very I, quiet. The reviews have been good, though. I've been reading ju- the reviews. Yeah, just came out. Um, Girls and Sex by Peggy Or- mm-hmm. Ornstein, which is... Um, shocking and scary and very good about the media landscape and uh, and what it is to be a girl or a young woman in this. Uh, When Breath Becomes Air by Paul Colanithi. Which has sold a million copies this year. I cannot bring myself to read. No, can't do it. It's a snot bomb. No way. Total (laughs) snot bomb. Uh, Evicted by Matthew Desmond about uh, poverty and uh, housing problems. Yeah, you said the gene. Mm-hmm. Tana French, the trespasser. Um, we've got so much love for Tana French yeah. among Bookwright contributors, but I, I don't see her talked about um, all that often anymore. Jody, the Sun is also a star by Nicola Yoon. Jody proposed the small great things. Um, let's see. Wolf Road by Beth Lewis, which... I think it was a crown title that I got. I saw some early buzz oh, about, but when it yeah. is it out? Maybe it's not even out. It might be I'm like, not sure. There's the Knicks by Nathan Hill, which is like nine bajillion pages yeah, our long. Yeah, friend of the site. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. Crown, July 5th. So Wolf Road's Gar- the, um, Greg Zimmerman, friend of the site, our friend, yes. um, colleague, longtime book writer, contributor, loved that. He also loved um, A Gentleman in Moscow by Amor Towles, which is on this list, which I've heard very ah. good things about. Um, yeah, he wrote what Rules of Civility. Rules of Civility a few came out a few years, years, ago. years ago. There's this like Fitzgeraldy feeling yeah. to them. And then Before the Fall by Noah Halley, which was a sponsor mm-hmm. of this show and has done some advertising with us. Disclaimer, I guess I don't know why I chose that because my you... boyfriend Anthony Bourdain yeah. is on the front of the best cookbook section. Um, let's see. Let's go. Let's should we run to nonfiction real quick just to see yeah. if both you care. So those the ones we just talked about were the twenty from all of the categories. Yeah, the overall. Um, um, let's see. Chaos Monkeys, which I read this year. I think I talked about in the show by Antonio Garcia oh, yeah. Martinez, insider stuff at Facebook. Um, was interesting. We got some nature winners, two books that I loved this year, On Trails by Robert Moore and oh, The Hour right. of Land by Terry Tempest Williams about the national parks. Glad yeah. to see both of those. Glad to see both of those. I haven't read any of these other ones here. Let's look at We Young Adult and then we'll get through this because those are, those are ones people care about. Um, teens and Young Adult. Not a, yeah, I guess Heartless Sun is also I guess Sun is also a star is the one that made their mm-hmm. top twenty list the one YA yeah. other ones and the are, big uh, Crooked, Crooked Kingdom, Kingdom Torch Against the Knights about here yeah so big year for sequels yeah kind of middle middle chapters a lot of mm-hmm. these it looks like um, I guess not a huge there hasn't been a great huge adult fiction breakout the one that sold this year is Girl on the Train like um you yeah. know the, you look at the still still uh, still. <laughs> More than a million copies in paperback sold this year already. Um, the the Underground Railroad has sold a couple hundred thousand, which is a which is a great performer for Colson Whitehead, but mm-hmm. for something that's been an Oprah pick, well, we'll see if the national still not selling. I mean, just still not selling in a in a major way. Um, it's going to be uh, it's going to be an yeah. Uh, uh, Andrew Wiley pick like yeah. this is the kind of book that will sell forever, but it's not going to be one that's going to be a huge frontless seller. You know the. 500 million copies um yeah it, you know i think on the whole we've we kind of got the sense uh um lib um, your pantsuit partner has said mm-hmm. this uh, we've had some rumblings on the book not a great year for books yeah i i agree there's been like, a lot I mean, 
There's always there good books. Been, there's always yes. good books. That, like this is the year we got the Underground Railroad. Yes, yes. If there we get were that, great right. books, but yeah, it was. I I have felt, and I read. A, I'm reading mostly Front List all the time. Yeah. Um, for all the books, and I have felt not nearly as enthused about not nearly as many new titles. And probably that year. shows up in the voting that you're tabulating, that there's probably a pretty good yeah. spread of voting, right? There's usually in a, in a good year for books, quote unquote, you probably get, a, it's a lot more top heavy around three to six titles. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes. I went back and looked at the results last year and it is a little, it does look a little different yeah. than it looked um, last year here. This is a, just one sleeper hit that I'm seeing. Oh, or, okay, I great. don't even know Perfect. if it's a yeah. hit, but in the uh, memoir and autobiography, section um kill him and leave searching for james brown and the american soul by james oh. mcbride that james mcbride yes. um, he wrote this big nonfiction look at at james brown and american soul music and of course it gets into race and it is wonderful i've been um, wanting to do that on audio i don't even know yeah if it's audio, it oh i bet be. it would be good on audio yeah. not nearly enough people read that book this year mm, if you yeah. are interested in america's musical history uh you that's a must so um, and i guess taking uh, another story we have down the down the line is that adult book sales fell in the first half of 2016. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know if it's correlation or causality um, that basically sales in young adult and children's rose about a percent, but um, sales of adult trade books dropped 2.8% in the first half of 2016 compared to the same period. Um, the sales in children's young adult segment, that includes Cursed Child. So oh, I don't, you know, if you X that out, I guess, I'm guessing that number is down because that book has sold 4 million copies in print. Yeah. Um, and that's just what is captured by Bookspan. So there's some other copies floating around out there. There's so special many. sales, other things. Fantastic Beast, the original screenplay is coming out, I think, this week. Um, I'm curious to see how that sells. Is that going to mm-hmm. sell because people can see the movie? I, I'm guessing they're not going to buy it in equivalent numbers. But is it? does it sell 200,000 copies its first week? Is it a big seller um, by itself? I'm interested in that. Um, ebooks down. Um, sales have fallen 18%. Um, Let's see anything else. Children's young adult ebook sales. Um, sales in paperback and hardcover formats were up seven point four and six point four percent respectively. So really, if you X out e- ebooks, is weighing everything down. Yeah. Uh, much like the Nook has been weighing down Barnes and Noble's financials, ebook sales are weighing down industry sales numbers, just on a year over year basis. And you know, I, I'm I don't have the the juice in me to rant um, about this, but. <laughs> I don't think this is a mystery. I don't think this no. is about pricing, um, and that's it. And, yep. and that's it's I, really. I agree. And maybe was, combined with there hasn't been a girl on the train. There hasn't right. been a gone. There hasn't girl. been there a big been a goldfinch. There hasn't been a, a big, big one yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, there wasn't a there. There wasn't a Fates and Furies. No, this there year. really was. There wasn't one that sold a whole bunch. I mean, right. The Nest sold okay. The girls mm-hmm. sold okay. I think Rich and Pretty did Rich all right. Rich and Pretty for a debut sold okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Home Going by uh, Jesse sold okay. Um, and but those um, be okay. I mean, hundred thousand to two hundred thousand right. titles. Uh, excuse me, copies. So I think you know. I think that's what we're dealing with here. Now, that I think that does allow room for a lot of interesting books to to come to the fore. Um, but in terms of a big front list, huge seller. Like, what are people going to be buying? For each other under on Christmas, I yeah, just don't know I don't, what I'm gonna. Uh, again, I said this before the Underground Railroad. Am I gonna buy that for my mom as a Christmas gift? I mean, I guess I should, but like, 
that's not what I usually look for to buy for people as gifts. That's yeah, not what I'm usually a, buying for people. Right? It's a hard read. Yeah. Um, and not everybody, like everybody should read it, yeah. but not everybody will read it. Right. Um, it. It's tough. You know, I was just looking, I have these stacks in my office of like things sort of move between like, here's the stack of something to read next. Right. Here's the stack of stuff that's a few months out. And then I have a stack of things that I've bought on my own and backlist and like stuff that I missed last year that I'm holding on to. Cause when we get to this chunk of time at the end of the year, we're like, this is a dead zone for new books. When we get to this time of the year, which is really a like wasteland dead zone for new books, I start having some more flexibility and I can read backlist and I can pick up whatever I feel like picking up. And I've still got stuff from last year. Like I didn't get to Gold Fame Citrus by Claire V. Watkins yet from last year. And I don't think I'm going to have like I, I currently don't have a bunch of 2016 books stacked up that I'm going to hope to get to in 2017. There's not like a ton of stuff I missed this year that I really wanted to read and was excited about and just didn't get to pick up yet. Like last year felt like a real embarrassment of riches and I'm still trying to catch up. And this felt not like a fallow year. There were some amazing books this year, um, but there just was not the bounty from, yeah. from last so year. So anyway, I mean, it comes and goes. And again, you know, um, The Shaven, some of these things happen late. So maybe that's going to be a big fun book. You know, Swing Time, yeah. you know, I haven't read that yet. Um, I'm hearing though from the book try contributor Slack, just just I'm reporting, don't shoot the messenger. I'm not sure it's classic Zadie. That's what I'm hearing yeah, so far. Uh, Liberty, it was Liberty's first Zadie Smith, oh, but really? she talked about it on the All the Books show last week. Yeah. And she said she really liked it, but that she had been looking online and the reviews were pretty mixed about yeah. whether people loved it or not. Because that was so. one I was looking towards. Like, you know, they, they certainly placed it as a fall big book. It's a big author. It's a great subject. Like the, the, yeah. the blurb reads well. It's a beautiful book and a big author. Um, anyway, but maybe Moon Glow will be interesting. Um, there's, you know, there's always plenty of books, but. You know, some years it's like some years the Academy Awards. You know, it's like really that's going to traffic's going to win the Best Picture Oscar. Right, really, you know, like, right. there's lots of good movies, but um, the 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 headliners um, are, don't shine as brightly as maybe they do in other years. Um, let's talk about Bookwitty. Um, okay, our sponsor yes. for they um, sponsored Book Riot Live, our huge presenting sponsor. They were there. They had a great time. They came to all this stuff. Um, they are so much so fun. much fun people. Um, they like what they do, and what they do is they're they're a new discovery platform which combines. Retail, knowledge sharing, and social media stuff. And there's really nothing quite like it. So what you do is you go in, you you can find content and books relevant to your interests and also your language and your location. So there, there's an international company. You can interact with other members or authors. You can write your own posts, create reading lists, share articles about subjects that interest you. Um, the, so you get sort of a personalized news feed based on what you're interested in that allows members to see new stuff. Um, posted by people they follow, but also about things that they're interested in, things they follow. Sign up is free, and members can order books from around the world, um, benefiting from fair prices and free worldwide shipping. So this is what they're trying to do. So they're combining buying books anywhere in the world with giving you interesting stuff to read about what you're interested in. Um, you can they're based they're, they have it on Facebook, facebook.com slash bookwitty, and also bookwitty.com. You can sign up. Um, and uh, create an account and explore what's available there. So that's bookwitty.com. Thank you guys so much for sponsoring this show and the and Book Riot Live. Really appreciate that. All right, let's do potpourri and we'll we'll wrap yeah, up our yeah. Saturday so show. Here is the potpourri that I am most excited right, let's about hear this. this week. Teen Vogue is bringing out their first ever book club uh, and it's called The Lit Review. I thought this was interesting. 
Have you been, I mean, I don't know what your uh, consumption of Teen Vogue is online. but It's not I've what been, it could be. I could tell you that yeah, much. Yeah. Okay. So if you are, if you have not been following Teen Vogue on Twitter, dear Book, Book Riot podcast listeners, go do that immediately. <laughs> like this is not the teen magazine from the early 90s that I grew up with. Like the Teen Vogue is under new leadership. They are really working to encourage their readers and their followers online to be socially conscious and to understand what's going on in the world. They did like, I think uh, Morgan Jerkins, who's a friend of the site, a former contributor, um, did live tweets of some of the debates. They fact check things. They explain the political process. They do um, all of this wonderful and they do, you know, fashion and makeup and dating advice. Like they do the stuff that a teen magazine traffics in, but they are taking their mission to educate their readers very seriously. Um, Their Twitter feed has been excellent for the last several months um, through the election cycle. I was, I don't know how I ended up following them. I'm sure someone smarter than me. I think guys, Morgan Jerkins, maybe. Yeah. Because he was, um, who is a one-time book writer contributor, but also a wonderful young writer. Yes. um, Works at Catapult, but written extensively elsewhere. I think we both follow her, and she took over their Twitter, I think, during one of the debates or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, It must have been... Something like that. It must have been her. Someone who's smarter than I am, who knew that this was happening at Teen Vogue, recommended online that people follow them, and I've started following. And I've been super, super impressed. Um, So I'm not surprised to see that they are doing this, but they have a guest editor named Yara Shahidi, and she is running this uh, the book club. And the first selection is Zora Neale Hurston's Their Eyes Were Watching God. Um, And she picked it because uh, she found the symbolism of Janie's romances, uh, everything from the symbolism of her romances to hair politics, um, that the book talks about embracing every facet of yourself, overcoming stifling social norms, bad relationships, shedding your obsession with society's expectations, and learning to love yourself, um, which are important things for young women and for the readers of Teen Vogue, but also a really, you know, classic and important work of American literature um, and an interesting tone setter. You know, Teen Vogue didn't yeah, pick the girl on the train. Yep. Very interesting. Um, the book club called the Liverview. Yeah, I think that's, they're going to do a live book um, club chat on Facebook um, with their editors. Um, yeah, you know, be... their eyes are watching God. I love that book. Um mm-hmm. As, and I've studied the book. I you know, studied Hurston myself. I'm not sure I'd pick this to start. My, I, I guess it's, it tells you. I guess it tells you something about what they're trying to do because it's kind of a historical, yes. like it's a, it's like an English class pick. Um, right. Where there could be a version of this where you pick a book that you know you could pick Homegoing for a contemporary book. Um, sure. Something that or you you yeah, can't touch my hair. Yeah, something or, like this. So yeah. that's. Um, I wouldn't have picked this, but I then that tells me something about the framing of what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it will be really interesting. Um, it seems in line to me with what their values have appeared to be through other projects that they're looking at history and yeah. they're looking at race and they're going to be looking at politics and identity. And it'll be really, really fascinating, I think, to follow what the rest of the selections are. And uh, and we know it's hard to run an online yeah, book club. Right. It's hard to wrangle these conversations, um, especially around big, serious mm-hmm. books. And so it'll be interesting to see if the like do the selections change as they figure out how to get people involved in reading. Um, will they mix in some contemporary Temporary, but a, a cool thing to see a young people's publication do, um, and a nice reminder: like the kids are all right. Yeah, yeah. It should be interesting to see what they do with it. Um, a lot of people, you know, Mashable has a book club. You know, there's uh, people are mm-hmm. trying it, and I, 
I'm not sure what for a book related thing. Of course, it makes sense. But why is Mashable? You know why? <laughs> why are they doing that? I'd be I'd be curious to hear. Is it is it kind of uh, serving your broccoli with your dessert of the makeup mm-hmm. stuff, or is it th- mm-hmm. is it something they think they're going to get new? Re- like, how does it fit into their strategy? Like. Uh, I think that's just an interesting way of thinking about it, right? Like, does it meet, does it add some gravitas to their brand? Like, again, I'm not questioning that they should do it at all. It's just, it's such an interesting move. Um, yeah, I mean, I I guess I thought of it as the way that we think about how we run the company and what we do yeah. with Book Riot is that we have all of these people in the community who give us their attention and right. we point their attention at things that, um, that we think are worthy of attention mm-hmm. and thought. And Teen Vogue has collected all this attention from their readers uh, recently. And I, it seems to me that the audience has been growing and that they've they demonstrated their gravitas by dedicating their yep. Twitter feed to fact-checking a debate. Right. Um, and now they can point those readers at other things that um, that they want them to be thinking about. And, and, and maybe maybe it's, it, it could be as something as simple as the kind of readers they want the young young teen readers um, mm-hmm. expect political engagement, artistic and yeah. cultural seriousness. You know, a little bit of rookie being rookie magazine on a leading edge here, right? Of in, yes, in, right. infusing some of that rookie DNA um, into, you know, a big consumer corporate conglomerate kind of brand, which can be kind of difficult to do. Um, so maybe being specific um, and focused like this can help them do that. Uh, really interesting stuff um, to see there. I think that's our show. Does that feel like I our show? So. Yeah, it's a good place it's to a good, wrap good up. Good place to stop. Um, thanks so much to um, our sponsors this week, Madison Reed, uh, Audible, and Bookwitty for sponsoring the show. Get in your book recommendation requests. We need, Please we need do. lots of good ones. Um, maybe even more so this year than others, since there, it's not a top-heavy year. Um, so, but we've got picks. I, I already wrote down some things I want to mention that I didn't mention during the year in review. We just sort of just did what came out. So <laughs> keep those in my back pocket podcast. And we'll do like a real year in review yeah. in a couple yeah. weeks. Podcast at bookriot.com. Send them along to us there. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess that's it for now. Yeah. We'll talk to you next right. week. Have a good one. <laughs> <laughs>